hidden behind closed doors. This is Beer and Movies. I'm Jason. And I'm Michael. Michael, what are we discussing today? Today we're discussing 1971's Vanishing Point. One of the car movies of the 70s, the road movies, directed by Richard Serafian, starring Barry Newman and Cleavon Little. Jason, what are we drinking? Today we are drinking all gas, no breaks, triple IPA, a collaboration of Wake Brewing and Reunion. It's a triple. You got that that juicy smell and then that hoppy taste. It's juicy and there's a there's a very heavy like resiny, like that yeah. pine resin. There's a pininess to it. Uh, this was another one of my Iowa trip. Excellent. My, Tell us my, about my it. My trip home. I, I contacted Reunion Brewing. They're out of Coralville, Iowa. They're doing some really really good stuff. Logan, one of the brewers, one of the owners, he was all aboard with uh, what we're doing. So I stopped in there when we were back and. I said, we're doing this movie. I said, this beer would be perfect. It's all gas, no brakes. This is a car chase movie with a 1970 Dodge Challenger hauling butt across the American West. And I said, all gas, no brakes would be great. And he said, absolutely. Uh, Wake Brewing, they're in the Quad Cities. They're in Rock Island, Illinois, if I remember correctly. I have not been there yet. They're one of the places I want to get to when I go back. So this is sort of the first thing I've had from them. Uh, So shout out. Wake Brewing, Reunion, thank you so much for contributing this. This is a good beer. It is. is, It's 9%. I was gonna ask you, you like you do, you do, which in some ways like a triple for a triple IPA, it's almost a little light in that respect. But it's a it's easy drinking, but it does kind of tell you. And I like the can. There's some great graphics because there is there's sort of an engine block with a death's head with hops eyes and fire coming out of stuff, and it does let you know up front. It says, don't mess around with me. I'll run you over. There's all gas, no brakes. And we had to look this up because I looked at this fantastic artwork i'm like those look like the odd rod stickers growing up (laughs) no the the graphics are super cool i I know i know reunion they always have some really fun graphics on their cans so again thank you thank you so much reunion and wake brewing this is a tasty beer and this is an interesting movie yeah you this was your choice michael absolutely i'm an unabashed fan it's a cool movie in the 70s specifically there is this sort of subgenre of movies like road movies or car chase movies. You had this, Tulane Blacktop, Gone in 60 Seconds, the original, not the remake. <laughs> and then it, it kind of culminated at the end of the 70s, Smokey and the Bandit. Of course. <laughs> kinda, which is super fun, but that was just a, a fun, goofy movie. Yeah. This movie is a lot of fun. And then the ending happens, and suddenly you are thrown into this very curious thought. The first time I saw it, it lingered. I found myself a couple days after thinking about it going, what was that? What happened? It's a philosophical, existential kind of movie that just happens to have super great car chases and a sweet car. I had never seen this movie before. Watching it for the first time, I was caught off guard by the ending. And you're right. The cinematography, it is beautiful. Western United States landscape. Cool 
car chase scenes with a cool car. Super the soundtrack cool. is that folksy night late nineteen sixties, early seventies, a little folk, a little gospel, a little hippie soundtrack. That then they drop fantastic. Mississippi Queen exactly. by Mountain in there. Just a heavy, <laughs> heavy, heavy tune, you know? And it does. We go Colorado, Utah, Nevada, California. Those are the states we're dealing with. Before we continue, we should do spoiler alert. One hundred percent. We will end up discussing everything about this movie. Yeah. Back to your choice. What made you think about this movie? And then, of course, my question, why is it a B-movie? Well, it's a B-movie. It's a genre picture. It's a cult movie. The perspective is kind of from the counterculture. I'm just a fan. And I didn't know if you've ever seen it. It's easy with the B-movies go like horror, sci-fi, horror, sci-fi. And we could do that all day long. I thought, I'm going to mix it up. I'm going to throw a little curve in there. And I hadn't watched it in a while. I want to see what you thought. Once I found out you had never seen it, I said, we're going to watch this. Because it's an interesting movie. It is cool. Gone in 60 Seconds is just one long car yeah. chase. It's a lot of fun. This is... It gets you. There's a lot of tragedy in this one. It's kind of a heavy movie. When I think about it, I've struggled the last couple weeks thinking about this movie. Because it's like an onion. At the surface, it's a fun car chase movie until the end, and you start pulling off layers, and it's can be it's a really different. I thoroughly enjoyed this movie, and at the end, my recommendation is that people should see this movie. Good, uh, cheers. cheers! Thank you for sharing this movie. I've had a hard time grasping some of the context of this movie because there's so many things that you could pull apart and take a look at this movie kind of haunts it it does that's (laughs) a perfect term it's it's lingers there is some very sad existential part of this movie that i'm like i don't understand what he was trying to say or do (laughs) and honestly jason a lot of it for me has to do with the performance of barry newman He's Kowalski, the main character. And really, his acting, there's there's so much acting. There's not a ton of dialogue for him. But he tells you so much just from his looks, his face that he makes. It's a great piece of acting, I say. I would agree with you. And before we continue, I wanted to mention, most of the time with movies, I don't go and look up what the title means. <laughs> In this movie, to try to get my arms around this movie, I went and looked up Vanishing Point. Let me give you a very technical definition. It's a point at which receding parallel lines in a perspective appear to converge. So when you're looking like at a horizon, you're looking at a, a road down. It's that point where they converge. But I think in this movie, that's like the technical definition. But I think this movie could be about Kowalski himself vanishing. I think it could be about the vanishing point in terms of our own meaning of what existence means and everything like that. Absolutely. I mean, there's like deep layers to this. I just drove that stretch that he drove in Colorado, Interstate 70. And you do, when you're out there, that wide open space where you can see, you see way to the horizon and you see where it looks like everything's converging at that point. His vanishing point, when was it? You know, is he even there? Like, there's a lot of questions. Should we talk about the car first before we dive into the movie? The car is so badass. <laughs> I mean, it really is. I was never a gearhead. We've talked about this. I was never a huge gearhead. But I love that era of that the Detroit muscle. muscle. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, cars that want to be on like an open road out in the Dakotas or something. Just where <laughs> there's no traffic, anything. You're just hauling butt. It's a 1970 Dodge Challenger. The studio wanted to throw Chrysler a favor because Chrysler had let 20th Century Fox 
rent their cars for a dollar a day yes. for a long time. So they're like, hey, so most of the cars you see in this movie apparently are Chryslers. They got a bunch of these 1970 Challengers. The stunt coordinator, Carrie Lofton, who also was the stunt coordinator on Bullet, Thunder Road, The French Connection, Duel. He liked this particular car. It had you know, some gearhead terms I don't know, but he liked it, so it must be cool. And, and it is. It's a tight car. It's this white muscle car. I believe they had a couple of these cars. They, oh, more than a couple. Yeah, some were... Because <laughs> they do a jump, and yeah. I think they, they said they never totally trashed one, but they would basically take parts from one and put it on another. I think the only time they didn't use it is at the very ending scene. They're crashing. It's not a Dodge Challenger that they're actually crashing. Which is... Would make sense. Yeah, it would make me sad. <laughs> Trash that car. Another interesting aspect is it's a movie... It starts at the end, and then we get most of the movie in flashback. We start with all this hubbub going on in the small town, find out it's Cisco, California, and they're putting bulldozers in the road to block it. People are gathering. We get the car. The car's coming. He's hauling butt. And then we get the little titles on the screen. California, Sunday, 10.02 a.m. And then we jump backwards in time. I think this scene really sets up the movie. And you're right. It starts at near the end because he pulls onto that road. He sees it. And for the first time, he actually turns around and heads out to the desert. And he gets out and he thinks and then he gets back in that car and heads back in that direction. He stops and it's almost like a graveyard yeah. of cars, of exactly. vehicles. It's like, so it's death is around this guy. And so he's standing in this area of death and he goes, not my time. Like he could die there. He gets back on the road and he's heading back towards Cisco. And at the same time, another black car is heading in the opposite direction. And there's a fantastic camera technique they freeze that frame. And if you watch that frame, his car disappears. And I want you to look at the other car because in the next scene, when we go back in time and actually start this whole journey, that's the car that Kowalski pulls in in Denver. I have never noticed that. You are the one who showed me that. I've seen this movie several times and it never occurred to me that that was him. After all of this beginning ending thing, we go back to Denver, Colorado, Friday, 11.30 p.m. And Kowalski's pulling into a garage with a car. And it's that car. That's his gig. He's a car delivery person. I assume those still exist. Got to be a gig for that. Although, if I watched this movie, I'd go, I don't want anybody, you know. <laughs> How he treats the cars? Like, you want to get that car like, Yeah, yeah there, there is a point where you, just, where you just go, I don't want the car anymore. I, I want my monies back. Sandy, the guy who gives him the gigs, I guess his boss, but Kowalski doesn't seem to have a boss. Yeah. And he gets out of the car and flat out just says, you got anything going back to Frisco? And Sandy's like, dude, you need to get off the saddle for a little bit. There's major foreshadowing because Sandy tries to convince him to stay. But he, he's really insistent he has to get started tonight. They have a dialogue. Sandy says, you're not going back tonight. Hey, you're going to kill yourself someday. You know that? Do yeah. you know? And what's his response? Yeah. Yeah. Right there, it's telling you that he understands that his path, what he's heading towards, is final. He needs to keep moving because he's seeking. I believe... He stopped existing, or he stopped living. Now he's just existing, and he's trying to find the end of that because it's not worth being here anymore. 
But for whatever reason, death hasn't taken them yet. This might be a very heavy episode. It might, exactly. <laughs> you know, and I, I want to keep it light. I want to be entertaining. I don't want people to like tune us out. But there is there's a heaviness in this character is like kind of heartbreaking. It, you almost want to hug the guy. Yeah. And, and just be like, dude. It'll be know. okay. Yeah. Tomorrow's also, a new day, Kowalski. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and this is a movie where everything that's framed, everything that's filmed is for a reason. And at the very beginning, you realize that we're going to play heavily on symbols. You see that Sandy's place is called Argo Delivery, and he's heading off to the Golden State. So we're already you're using these symbols of like the Greek Jason Argonauts, his boat Argo, where they're heading off to adventure. And so he's going to have some adventures on the road. And he does. And some of them are really strange where I'm not like, that's a really odd scene. There's a reason why he's putting the scenes. And some of them, I just don't know. Like, why? He gets his car, and first stop he makes is at this counterculture biker bar. Because he's got to score some speed, because he doesn't want to go to sleep. He's going to get some bennies. <laughs> and so he finds his guy, you know, his drug dealer, Jake, I yeah. believe is his name. Jake has, is hanging out with a couple of attractive young ladies. Yeah. And he's saying, hey, man, you know, you don't need to leave now. You know why? i got some ladies. And, and Kowalski goes, yeah, they're attractive. I want my speed. And they make a little bet. This is the thing in a way that makes the movie happen. It's the bet. He says, I'm going to be in Frisco from Denver to San Francisco by tomorrow. It's already Saturday morning because it starts at Denver at 11 o'clock at night. 11.30. He's at 11.30, so it's easily after midnight. And he says, I'm going to make it to San Francisco by 3 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. So Sunday afternoon, he'll be there. I've done some driving, Jason. And even today, this is 1971, the whole interstate system wasn't completed yet. That would be a tough one. Leaving Denver at, like, we'll say, we'll give them 1230 and getting there by 3, that wouldn't be easy. I got to tell you a brief story about a road trip I did in my 20s. Okay. You're going to make some stories in this one. So, (laughs) 1996 Atlanta Olympics, it was time for us to head home. It was a Wednesday evening, and we decided that we would get up Thursday morning around 4 a.m., and hit the road. And we would try to drive straight through. And so we drove from 4 a.m. Thursday morning, and we stopped 2 a.m. Friday morning, about two and a half hours east of El Paso. Slept for three hours, got up, and drove into L.A. and pulled in to my parents' place at 4 p.m. It was like the longest car ride (laughs) I was ever in and was in a 94 Jeep Wrangler with no top, with the sun being down on us. The top had ripped off during our trip out there. (laughs) And you were just rotating drivers? I drove most of the way. Okay. Because I know I did Dubuque to LA nonstop, and I would just kind of stop once in a while at a a rest area, lean this thing back, sleep for a little bit, and go. I wouldn't do that anymore. No, this, no, This no. last trip, we had a cargo van. Yeah. And I did. I said, I don't want to break my back. I don't want to kill myself. I want to have a nice time. We stopped at some places. And that was like over four days. But yeah, those I've done some of those back-breaking, let's do yeah. 15 yeah. hours in the saddle. Okay, Michael, his friend, the dealer, hands him some speed. And he offers him water. He's like, no. And he dry swallows the speed. Kowalski's beginning to vanish even at the beginning of the movie when we meet him, he doesn't have a first name. We don't learn his first name. And they even try to like tell you at one point and they purposely edit it out. Needing to eat, needing to drink water, right off, he doesn't have those functions anymore. And you're thinking, oh, well, it's just a movie. It's a couple days short. But you see other characters 
have these yeah. biological functions like eating. Like you see Super Soul eat and you see the cops like actually have to take a piss break on the side. You don't see him anymore. No, and they actually have points where people are offering him yeah. things like water. Yeah. Like, hey, do you want to take that down with, you know, take those pills down? I mean, he's traveling across the country. He has nothing with him. He just gets in the car and yeah. drives. Is he even there? He's not present in his own world because even in 1971, you'd think, well, I'm going to have some snacks. If I'm driving yeah. from Denver to San Francisco, probably have some water, have some snacks. Exactly. Something. Have that old school Coleman cooler, like jug thing <laughs> with your Kool-Aid in it or whatever. They make the bet and boom, he's off. And then we're introduced to Super Soul. Cleavon Little. This was one of his first big roles. Also, John Amos, who I think... Plays the engineer unaccredited. Yeah, and he's an intimidating I'm fella. like, J.J. Walker's dad. <laughs> exactly. No, and he's great. Intimidating guy. I'm not going to be first through the door to fight him. No. I'll be behind you, and I'll brag about it later if you win. No, but Super Soul, he's in this podunk little town. We find out, what is it, Goldfield? Goldfield, Nevada. Yes, and I bet you have some stuff about Goldfield. Oh, I was just going to say that you could go and visit that town and that hotel building that Cow, K-O-W, which once again, a symbol that's clearly the first letter is a Kowalski's name. You can still go and visit that place. Nevada makes it kind of a tourist attraction now that you can go out and visit. I'd love to know what the attraction gold. is. Because I know I'm serious. It <laughs> these looks old like gold, it's a... gold rush, silver rush towns, you know. Okay, I mean, <laughs> it looks pretty much like it does in this movie still. You know, hopefully the people are friendlier because <laughs> Cleavon Little, is, if you don't know, he's an African American. He's playing a blind character. He's walking to work. He's got his seeing eye dog, and he's got a lady with him. They just keep cutting to like everybody in the town just seems to be turning up to watch him it seems a little odd to me because you get the impression this isn't his first day but everybody still is just watching this man who doesn't look like us go to this job there's a whole lot of the juxtaposition of people who you don't necessarily aren't part of your square community or whatever i was always a little scared for him see I took it a completely different way. Really? He reminded me of, like, a prophet. And they have all these blind prophet archetypes in history from the Greeks onwards. And I thought that that crowd was forming around his new religion, his new hero that he was pushing. And they were coming, listening to his voice through the radio and yeah, coming but, to but listen But nobody to was coming. They were all, like, behind windows nobody was coming to him they were all just watching and for one thing you know your profits your buying profits don't come to a lot of good ends and that's kind of what happens here those people are not yeah. on his side they're very easily turned against him so i always felt that they were just watching that's just a tinderbox and i think the whole idea of this movie sort of goes towards that where it's we're not accepting we think we're creating heroes and we're worshiping good things but things aren't always as they, they look to be. No, and I think Super Soul as a prophet, and that's why you have prophets sometimes. There's like, definitely a connection between him we're, and Kowalski. He's building up a mythic figure that's truly not a heroic figure that you should be worshiping. Over time, you see people out his window standing, listening, coming to hear what he has to say. Once again, a symbol right outside his window that's always visible is a big stop sign. Mm -hmm. And I think that's both for Kowalski and also telling him, 
you should stop talking about this guy. You should t stop trying to make a hero of this guy who's basically just speeding down the highways, running for the police. Essentially, he's just trying to get a car to San Francisco by yeah. 3 p.m. Exactly. I mean, that, that That's really it. is it. That He's got a bet. But again, that crowd that gathers outside of Super Soul's station, radio station, they turn against him. Well, some it, do. It, it, it some take, turn it against him. It takes very little for that crowd to turn. But I would say only some of them turn, and even one of them tries to fight back. I don't think they all turn. I think some of them are truly acolytes to what he's saying. But I don't think what he's saying is very truthful or very helpful. Kowalski, he's listening to Super Soul. He's just blasting along Highway 70, now Interstate 70 in Colorado. You know, a couple cops on motorcycles are, are like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, because it is, it's a supercharge. They keep yeah. saying it's supercharged. This thing can, this thing's got some ponies. They get into this great little chase and he ends up running one of the cops off the road and he stops. He always stops to make sure whenever a crash happens or something, Kowalski always stops. I think Kowalski is a good person. I think what Super Soul is trying to build of where this is the last free person in the world who's something that we should aspire to. I think that's way beyond who this person really is. But after this crash, we get the flashback. And he flashes back to when he was racing motorcycles, and he's in a crash. He survives a crash, and he stands up, and he's wearing number 28 on the back. And I don't think that means anything, but there's a really pronounced effort to focus on numbers throughout this movie for some reason. And I, and I can't fathom why, but they really focus in on his number. The, the important point is that he survives that motorcycle accident. And his flashbacks are all telling of him surviving until we get to one flashback where it's not him surviving, it's someone else who died. He's left behind. Again, I just drove from the Mississippi <laughs> to L.A., went through Colorado, Interstate 70, and I went by no-name Colorado. Nothing is just happenstance. He drives by, there's an exit, no-name Colorado. He doesn't have a first name. Could he be any of us? What is he? And he takes the car. He's, he's going off-road at high speeds. He's jumping between lanes. He's doing all this. They do a great jump. Again, going where you're not supposed to go. He blasts through this barricade, does a jump to get away from the cops, and tears down the road. It's a super cool. Apparently, it did rough up the car. The stunts in this are up there. It is refreshing not to be like old man or something, because this movie was made before I was born. But... It's kind of refreshing. It's great to see like actual cars. There's no CGI. At this point when he does the jump, if it's just a normal movie, it doesn't have any like philosophical meaning. At that point, is the car worth delivering? I, I mean, isn't that kind of the point where, where you go, I, I sort of screwed my job up and I, I'm just going to whatever bag it i'm taking this thing to the bitter end i'm just gonna run this thing into the ground i think he's just driving for his bet now for his bettys I, yeah exactly exactly <laughs> in this movie filmed in 1970 it's released in 1971 you know nixon's president we're in the midst of vietnam war it's very unpopular charles manson was just found guilty in january of 71 Amendment 26 was certified. We moved the voting age from 21 to 18. But everything that you see about America in this movie at the time, these towns are run down. And when you see true big cities, such as Denver, it's at night, and it's seedy bars and neon signs and drug dealers. This seems almost post-apocalyptic, except when you stand back and it's the beautiful landscape that surrounds it. It's quite the contrast. 
Then you see these rundown cities as civilization is slowly dying, coming. dying cities. I mean, Goldfield. Yeah. Goldfield yeah. is dead. We both know that stretch a little bit, and there's a whole lot of nothing in between. Because I, I did a, a trip a couple years back where I drove from Oklahoma City to Vancouver, Washington. This was a seven-day trip. We leisurely drove the back That's roads a haul. all the way there. And you see beautiful scenery, a lot of open roads with no one else on it. And every once in a while, we go through some small towns that are pretty much at the end of their life. Part of this movie is like, man, it's really depicting a strange image of America at the time. And I'm not sure. Because even when you mention those people watching him and looking in at Super Soul, they're always through like decrepit windows or half windows or empty. They're, you see them standing in buildings that are completely empty inside, even though the signs outside will say, open. What are you all doing that you can just stand around outside of a radio station Every day, all day. Don't you have somewhere to be? What an odd existence to just, I'm going to get up and walk over and stare at that guy doing his radio show. (laughs) At this point, we start getting a little idea that maybe there's an odd connection between Super and and Kowalski. After this whole dust up with the cops, John Amos, Super Soul's engineer, says, something went down. Maybe you should, you want to know about this. So... Kowalski is driving straight through police roadblocks and towns. There is a beautiful mixture of the soundtrack, the sound of the roaring engine of that car. Then you have his flashback. Once again, he was in a bad crash as a stock car racing. And you see him flipped over and you see his head bleeding as, as if he's dead. But then we were right back to the bright desert scape that he's driving through. And this is when we, we come across that Jaguar driver. Pulls up alongside him and he's like, hey, buddy, you want to race? The thing is, it's not even just, uh, do you want to race? He starts bumping the yeah, car. He's starts playing touch bump- with the car. Yeah, like trading paint. And I go, that's just, that's dangerous. And I got to admit, when we were 16, I had a beat up Honda Civic. We thought that was kind of funny to do with each other. Yeah, with each other. Jason, also, I, I do have to say, beat up honda civic <laughs> compared to a 1970 dodge challenger in a jaguar like a souped up road racing type of jaguar some schmancy car yeah you weren't out there with your dad's cool car no like, no, like, no, that no, would, no no i don't think that would have gone as well no, I, don't, no. I, don't, I don't i don't think your dad would have been all like i like that you went out there took my yeah. car went racing yeah. and smacked into people just to be like hey get your attention and kowalski he's in this car and this and this guy is just a yahoo yes It's a a rando kind of thing because they get to racing and Kowalski's just like, goodbye, I've got a supercharged Challenger, goodbye. Coming up on like basically a one-lane bridge. Kowalski wins, the guy ends up going off the road. I mean, this car goes freaking flying, flipping. I thought the guy was dead. Well, he would be. Flips, he rolls, 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 lands in this like little creek or stream or river. Guy's alive. (laughs) Which, I mean, at that point, I just... I'd say there is a God. I lived through that. Whoa. But Kowalski stops. Always stop. Want to make sure. I think he's a good person. But at the time, you, you got to think back. You've seen him drive through road stops, ignoring traffic signals. He's putting other people on that highway who are just commuting to their jobs, their day-to-day in jeopardy. Grant, yeah, he stops when he causes an accident or he thinks he causes one to see the person safe. But he's me it's extremely selfish so when we start making super souls making his character 
this heroic person, this new symbol of America. I'm thinking, like, no, like, he's not. He's undeserving of that. Just like the idea of you, what if someone's commuting to work? Yeah. He's, on he's these, driving down the he's, wrong way sometimes. People are honking oh my at God, him. He's not driving down the wrong way. He's like hauling like ass, ass down, down the, the wrong way. way. But it's just like that's you're, you're like the, what if I was commuting to work and you have your coffee and you're just driving all of a sudden this the coffee's this on my ch- new press shirt and everything like that. This job, 1970 Challenger just blows by you the other way at 90 miles per hour. And you're going. I'm just trying to get to work again. It's so desolate and the places he's going through doesn't seem like anybody's working they're all just standing around watching super soul well that brings us to nevada at saturday at 11 43 a.m real quick a cop says better let nevada nevada handle this this guy's nuts (laughs) (laughs) like we want nothing to do with this guy (laughs) it's like utah is officially checking out of the kowalski business and i'm gonna have another sip of my all gas no breaks triple ipa i am really enjoying this it's hitting me a little more than I thought. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. That usually means drink more. <laughs> well, if it's Kowalski, I wouldn't be drinking anything. Just subside on Benny's and cigarette and road dust to get me through the day. Wouldn't that be sad? It, Cheers it, again. It is. It is sad. It, it's completely oh, it, sad. It gets more sad. But, I mean, there's nothing sad about this beer. No. All gas, no breaks. I do have to say, we've had some great pairings of beers with movies. Mm-hmm. I don't think we can ever do better than this. No, I would All agree. All gas, no breaks <laughs> with Vanishing Point right. may be the absolute perfect pairing of all time. I agree. And it's such a, it's a pretty color, that amber. Here's the thing. It's very inviting, but like you said, when you are drinking it, it it's a little trouble. Can of trouble. There's a little bit of trouble in there. That, this is not something, should not be putting these away and then driving all over the place. No. Driving across the country. You so, should put these away and then go lay down on the couch and maybe watch Vanishing Point. Yeah, exactly. So, no, it's a delicious beer. Again, Reunion, thank, thank you so you. much. Wake Brewing, it's great to finally have something from you. And I will, uh, next time I'm back, I might just, not far from the Quad Cities, I, I don't see their stuff out in the stores where I go. Quad Cities isn't far. And it's a fun little place. Twice as fun as the Twin Cities. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, anywho. Yeah. So it's Nevada, Saturday, 11.43 a.m. And that's timestamped. Kowalski pulls over for a cigarette. Once again, he is not eating. He's not drinking. He's completely existing on uppers or Benny's speed, whatever you want to call it, or cigarettes, which is nicotine. And then you see Super Soul eating in his station. And you never see Kowalski in this entire movie eating. As you said, road trips, you want to have some food. If you're not stopping because you have to make a time, you want to have food. And he doesn't eat. He's slowly vanishing. All the existence of what makes him a human is slowly disappearing. And Jason, something you said, every shot, everything has a purpose. So having Super Soul and others eat is a conscious choice. They made a point. Have him eating. And then it's just going to juxtapose it. This guy never eats. This guy doesn't drink water. He's in the flipping desert. desert. You put me in the desert for five minutes and I'm begging. Uh, I'm begging you for water. And I doubt that Dodge Challenger has AC. No. Your air conditioner is rolling down the windows manually. I mean, I think at this point, Kowalski's a shell of a person. He exists on... He exists. He's not living. Exactly. I mean, that's, that's the best way I to put it. I think we've talked about this. Like how to explain... He stops. He stops to get gas finally. 
and he's at a mobile petrol station, and a woman attendant comes out. It's interesting about women in this movie. If you look at all the women who appear in this movie, in the next flashback, they all look like his former girlfriend. And it's her appearing, pouring gas in his car that causes the next flashback. Kowalski's a, a young cop and he's sitting in the front of a car. He has short hair and in the back seat is an older cop, his partner, I'm guessing the guy above him sort of. And he's got this young woman and he's trying to get this woman to you know, like rat or tell him information. Essentially, this old cop is going to rape this young woman and she's kind of resisting and he's being a pig. Kowalski you see just the angst on his face, and then finally he's had it. And he gets out, goes to the back seat, puts the guy in an arm bar, and tells the young woman, he says, you know, go, go, get out of here. We get little kernels yeah. of this guy's life leading up to where he is now. And that's a, what he did was more morally and ethically sound. That's what a police officer should do. Yeah. To stand out for the person. The writer of this movie, he said they was influenced by two things. A disgraced yeah. police officer and then a guy who got in a car chase and tried to run through a barricade and it didn't end well. <laughs> I mean, we laugh, but it's, it's like, no, it didn't end well for him. And once again, the scenery of that location, it is a run-down Broken you see area. like an oil derrick going up and down. So I don't know, like I think San Diego or something. It was like in California somewhere. Just like because oil derricks, there's something that is just depressing. They're not usually in like nice areas. It's just sort of meh. Once again, the screenplay writers, their issue with numbers, it focuses on to make sure that you really understand that that's well number 18. <laughs> but then we're back. But that woman and his girlfriend, Vera Thornton, all the other women who appear in this movie, they remind you of those women. They hire actresses who look similar. It's hard oh. to distinguish them. I had to stop and say, are they using the same person? Several times I would think, oh, is this that woman grown up? Now we get Super Soul is starting to celebrate Kowalski oh, yes. as the last the, beautiful free soul on this planet. Going against the blue meanies and it's a projection because Kowalski, there is no intent. He made a bet about drugs to get a car to a place and then on the way ran afoul and he's like, I'm not stopping. He's not out there taking it to the man. But Super Soul starts building this myth around Kowalski. We're interested in the character, an older <laughs> cop and a younger cop. And they're listening to Super Soul's show. The younger cop's like, where the hell is he getting this information from? <laughs> Yeah, and the guy from Mork and Mindy, the older actor. Oh, really? You didn't look this did up? Not, you did didn't not. look this up? Yes, yes, yes. I got you. Oh, my God. Hold on one second. I got Robert Donner, the older cop. Robert Donner. Exodor. Oh, my gosh. Exodor. That's him. Exodor. Yeah, you oh, didn't, my God. Dude. I did not. I thought you would have a fucking list of shit about that guy. We get these two cops, and it's it's interesting. It's Exodor from Mork and Mindy, and then this younger guy. Like you said, they're super soul. Where where is he getting the info? And the older cop goes, "Well, he's he's listening to our frequency." And the young cop goes, "Whoa, whoa, isn't that illegal?" And the older cop goes, "Yeah, but so is listening to a transistor radio on duty." And the young cop goes, "Yeah, but that's different." This young cop, he thinks he's above the law. It's an inverse of what Kowalski, his flashback was, where the older cop was this horrible person and Kowalski was doing the right thing as the younger cop. The young cop becomes obsessed with Super Soul 
and Kowalski. Kowalski. Those characters remind me of the Robert Duvall character and a Sean Penn character from Colors. The older cop is like, it is what it is, man. Like, like, let it go. Here's the landscape. Yeah. And the younger cop, and he, he's like, I got to change this. Yeah. I've got new ideas. This is how we're going to do things. The two cops are told to watch out for Kowalski. And the young guy, he goes, you know, what do you think he's done? And the o- older cop goes, maybe killed someone, stole that car, or both. So there's all this projection onto Kowalski that is just kind of fascinating to me on both sides where he's this demon, maybe killed someone, we got to get him. And then he's a hero, he's sticking it to the man. The super driver of the Golden West. And meanwhile, he just wants to like jam tunes, take speed, (laughs) and keep driving. (laughs) And win a bet so he doesn't have to pay his tab on his bennies. Yeah, or find the end of the line. Yeah, come to terms with what's happened in his life. So the next time you see these two cops, there's a scene where they're standing next to two donkeys. They're taking a piss break, and it's just a strange scene. He does a lot of contrast, the director in this movie and the cinematographer, between black and white. The donkeys are different. It just It's such a strange scene. Like It really sticks out. It's like, oh my gosh, there's like, literally two donkeys like right next to the guy. Yeah. And they don't even acknowledge it. Hey, there's two donkeys right <laughs> next to us. I would love to be able to ask them. Screenwriter, he wrote under assumed name Guillermo Kane, but I think his real name is Guillermo Infante. Yes. And he's known for his novels and his writing, not for generally writing Hollywood and movies. And his novels are generally heavily laden with allegory and symbols. So all these things mean something. I'm not smart enough to figure out. My guess, having done a little bit of studying on this stuff, he probably had absolutely nothing to do with the actual filmmaking. So he was not showing up going, hey, we're going to... Exterior shot, two donkeys. (laughs) Yeah, in in fact, reading about it was very interesting because they were shooting in all of these places in these very like remote places. They would just take the crew out and shoot for maybe a couple days at, at a time. There is a ton of symbolism, I agree, but it could get down to like where you go... This is actually a pretty cool backdrop. We got these two donkeys, happenstance. Let's put them in. Sometimes it happens, you know? <laughs> but I'm with you. I th- I, there is a lot going on here. We're doing what Super Soul's doing. And we do it all the time. You People will read into it. They read into the Beatles songs. And John Lennon goes, I just came up with that sitting on the toilet. There is not like some hidden meaning in there. Again, we do it. And we might be doing it with this movie. Let's get back to the okay. road road movie that we're yeah. talking about. <laughs> Although all ga- let's get let's get back to the gas and stop with the brakes. If you know what I'm saying. <laughs> so at this point in time, the the Nevada Highway, Highway Patrol is actually beginning to get information on who this person is. And right now they do. They're like first name unknown, and he was employed as a car delivery driver in Denver, and he was a former professional racer named Kowalski. They know it's not a stolen car anymore, and they're knowing that he has to deliver this car. On Monday. You know, Kowalski is just driving. Cops are chasing him. And then he pulls off into the desert. And it's now Nevada, Saturday, 1.36 p.m. First of all, Jason, if you grew up in Southern California. I did not. There is something that really makes me anxious about the desert. The idea of just driving a car into the middle of the desert goes against every fiber of my being. You don't do that. You kind of avoid that. To this day, people die hiking by themselves or getting lost in Death Valley in the Mojave Desert. Joshua Tree. I mean, you always, somebody, they just, they take one little turn. They don't have enough water. There is something terrifying to me 
And taking that kind of car and just, woo, he just drives off into the desert and he's just thinking. And then Super Soul is talking to him directly through the radio. And it's kind of funny in a way because he's speaking in a low tone as if it's just the two of them. It reminds me of my mom on a Zoom when we were first Zooming and my mom would lean into her camera and she'd go, Michael, Michael. Um, Mom, everybody on here, there's no like private moment for us to do that. So Super Soul is talking to him and telling him, you know, people are rooting for you. There's all these people that have got your back. Jason, it just keeps coming back to this thing where it's like all these people are rooting for you. They have no idea what he's doing. What if he had a trunk full of babies that he killed? They don't know. He's just a guy delivering a car. And Kowalski at that point. You think he's having a conversation with Super Soul as go to hell. And he drives deeper in the desert. And you just see how wide open and desolate the desert is. We'll see. It's a tough, tough place. All of the major religions, seers, prophets, I mean, even Jesus spent, like, not to get heavy religious, but 40 days in the desert. The desert symbolizes a lot because at one side, it allows you to have these endless vanishing points. You can see all around. It gives yeah. you infinite decision making. However, he chooses one path. He can see everything around, but he ends up choosing one path. One side of the desert is wild. It's untamable. It's vast. There's some beauty to it. And then one time, it's very simple. It's a harsh environment. <laughs> and, he, and they choose for him to go in a desert for a reason and he does this loop where he crosses his tracks and vanishing point when you're thinking strictly on a design theory it's an equation and he starts really wrapping up his equation he's crossing his x and you go back and look at this movie there's a bunch of x's everywhere crossing rails but he yeah. goes in the desert and it really bothers me because this is where he can make some decisions he could choose to stop but he doesn't there's all these roadblocks like you're going the wrong way you're going the wrong way you're going the wrong way he he goes back he has his flashback and this is michael time this is where (laughs) you can keep the desert i will take snow it's it's kowalski and this lady they're in the mountains they're driving this truck through the snow and it's beautiful then they're on the beach with water like lapping up and they're hanging out. She's rolling a joint. She's like offering him one. And he, and he says, no. And she's like, wouldn't that be funny if you had to bust me? And you can tell there's like, there's some genuine love here. And she's got her surfboard. And she goes, I'm going out for one more. She goes out and then they cut just the surfboard coming up on the beach. And you know, she's gone. And that's some great cinematography because all they have to do is show that surfboard in the They have line. this love theme, which I really yeah. like. There's like a little part of me that always kind of my heart breaks when that happens because they come back to Kowalski in the desert. Everything that has happened in your life puts you where you are. And that love scene comes up again one more time in this movie, just slow in the background. And her final words to him are, sayonara, before she heads out for one last sayonara, remember me. And it's, it's tragic, and part of me is like, is that how he's remembering it? Because it's so final. I'm going out here, and I'm not coming back. Again, Kowalski is such a tragic character. Yeah. And again, can't say enough, I think Barry Newman does such a fantastic he does. job. He does. It's like, you know, you just do, you want to like give the guy a hug and just go, dude, get, let's get out of the desert. Let's just, you know, chill and go somewhere. Have a, have a beer. Have, let's go have an all, all gas, no breaks. <laughs> And just, I get it. You're hurt. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah you're wounded. That scenery of his flashback, 
is so different from where he's at. It's the exact opposite. There's water in both those. You're in a snow location and a beach, and there's no water in the desert. And I gotta tell you, Jason, me personally, I'm going, oh, the snow. And you're right by the water and the coast. And then they come back, and I'm like, ah, it's like super harsh. It is really harsh. And it's, to, it's beautiful. I mean, it is. It, there, there is some serious beauty, but it's also terrifying. It is. The you desert know? is a harsh environment. You can start a fire when you're up in the snow. You can't do a whole hell of a lot. I always tell people that you can always layer up. You can only get like so naked in the desert and there's only so much you can do. We're not welcoming. And that's what he gets. He gets an unwelcome sign that tells him like, turn back. You're going the wrong way. He blows a tire after this flashback. Which that is a game over situation. Like that's, you're done. (laughs) Yeah. And he gets out of his car. He opens a trunk. He grabs a jack. He walks back to that front driver's side tire and throws the jack down and then he walks back to Trunk, and immediately where he was just standing, there's a rattlesnake prepared to strike. Dude. There's no way that could have happened. I think that's a symbol. And then he stands perfectly still. And then an old hermit is a Dean Jagger character actor, been around. What a fantastic He role. looks like a guy that would be out in the desert catching snakes. Yeah. He's got a wicker basket. Yeah. He's got a wicker basket, and he's like, hold still, son. Yeah. Hold still, son. Yeah. Oh, I got he basically says, I trade them. I For beans and, yeah, coffee. beans and coffee and tobacco and flour. Like, it goes from this long I list. I gotta be honest. Other than the tobacco, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like, those are most things I would have. And this is the first time that Kowalski says, I'm lost and I need your help. There's that giving of yourself, yeah. of admitting vulnerability, yep. opening yourself up. This old man, his thing, the best way to get away is to root right in. Like, his thing was... I went out into the desert and rooted in. That's how I got away from stuff. It's the polar opposite of Kowalski. Kowalski is, he's just. He has to move. He has momentum. It's a juxtaposition of views. There is no one answer because this guy has gotten away and he's root down. Kowalski's is move. It's got to be motion. I'm going to find my end. I'm not going to let my end find me. You could take it two ways. You could see that, that hermit that he refers to as paw for some reason. And he says, I'm rooting down. It's, I find a place, and I'm going to make it my place. This is where I will stand. This is where I will I live my life. Kowalski is opposite. We're like, I'm going to keep on moving. If you're constantly out there looking, without standing still and taking your own inventory of your life, there, there's helicopters. Powerful. The helicopters and are like the young from, cop. That yeah. young cop just seems to Charlie get... Charlie wants them. He gets everywhere. <laughs> yeah. That young cop, like that guy just seems to pop up. Wherever, it doesn't matter about state lines, anything. That guy is just doggedly. So he's in a chopper looking for him. The old man helps him, helps Kowalski. The cops get a teletype. I mean, the teletype is before my time. Basically a fax or something. They're getting all this information. They're, they can't say his name. They go, oh, last name Kowalski. Christian name, my flat foot. What is it? And then it cuts. I mean, purposely cuts that scene. There's something about his first name. The old man is catching snakes for a reason. He's catching them for this preacher and his freaking band of goofballs. You know, I mean, they're like a commune or a cult in the middle of like way in the middle of the desert. Middle of the yeah, Jason. Yeah, we're we're not we're not talking like San Diego adjacent. These people are in the middle. I'm gonna stop because it does. It just it weirds me out when people are living out in the desert like that. I go, what's going on? So the only thing I can add to it is there's a documentary called Darwin, 
It's about Darwin, California. It's a very, really small town out in the desert in California. And if you want to get a sense of why people live in the desert, why they move to remote places, I think it really captures why some people want to live so far away from other people. Just recently drove through that northwestern corner of Arizona, which freaks me out. I never understand how. Because water is the most important yeah. thing to us as humans. How do you go out there <laughs> and <laughs> exist? Because you don't. You don't just get to drill down and it's like a, you automatically get water. It's the desert. It's a terrifying place. It's not welcoming. This faith healer scene, I don't know what to make of it. This is where I think it's a counterculture movie, but it's also it's critique of the counterculture. Because you did have all these people, the hippies, where they would you know go out and have a commune. We've solved life, that kind of thing, that utopia. A lot of that stuff didn't work. So this movie is not that easy rider, hey, we're on the side of the commune. This, this film doesn't choose sides. It's pointing out there's flaws here and there's flaws here. That's how I take it, is that this is kind of a cult. It's like you would think they're playing this cool music. It's fun. Everyone's having a good time. But the preacher, and you have something to say about his Va revival. He's Reverend Va, <laughs> and his truck says Reverend Va revival. But if you realize that he's just covered up, van rental. <laughs> so he's a charlatan. It's a bill of false goods. He's a snake oil salesman. And That's he used to he handle snakes. And now he's got music to tame the people. He doesn't need those snakes anymore. Yeah, which where was the music before? So the old man shows up and he's got this bunch of snakes and he's saying, Hey, you know, trade these and the guy's like, What's up with the dude in the cool car? And he's just a jerk. He's like really paranoid and weird. He's a jerk to the old man, and the old man you really feel bad for him because you kind of think, Do I get my beans yeah. my beans and my coffee? Yeah. You know, which is kind of essential. We got music. We don't need the snakes. And he just takes the big basket of snakes, throws them all out. He does agree to give the old man the food. And he gives the old man gas to give to, yeah. to Kowalski. I and, think it's as much just get get him get away from here. But what I also love is he gives him this gas. I, I don't know, like yeah. not even a five gallon. And the, the old man goes over and he goes, well, that should fill you up. <laughs> This is a 70, 1970 <laughs> Challenger. I'm, I'm guessing it's, it's like got a, 10 miles. It's got, it's got like a huge gas tank, and you just put two gallons. Yeah, exactly. That'll give you to the next snake. Yeah. And then the old hermit, or paw, it's a weird dialogue. He's like, you know, you always got to keep your eye on the trail of the sun, Kowalski. He's followed like the Lorray belt, and the Kowalski's like, what are you talking about? He's trying to get a sense, like, what are you talking about? And he's like, you're beginning to get the fundamentals, son. Kowalski kind of thanks him and refers to him as Pa and takes off. Pa says, Vayu con Dios, go with God. That's his final words to Kowalski. Try that as a potential path. All these symbols, all these roadblocks that are put up to saying you're going the wrong way, that you could choose something else to do with your life. You could, you could find some resolution to your pain. You could start existing again. He's just choosing not to. My personal take is it's not that he's not listening. He's being called by something else. Something is pulling him. Something more powerful is pulling you. Then you're saying that he doesn't have independence. There's no choices. Everybody has a final path. Here's the thing. For him, no. This guy's life did stop but uh, yeah. before he died. I think it's just that inevitable. It's a Twilight Zone episode kind of thing where, where you go, dude, you died back there. And the whole thing is just bringing you 
to the realization that it's time, man. Well, I think we discussed this in Carnival of Souls. We discuss driving through the desert. <laughs> Cheers and, on that one. And death telling us, trying to convince us, you've already died. Give in to it. Let it go. You are dead. I'm not going to go into more details. You should definitely check out our episode of Carnival of Souls. Absolutely. <laughs> well, it's a great movie. And we jump from the desert. We get, now the police have his whole entire history. He was in the U.S. Army. Served in the Vietnam War, wounded in the Mekong Delta, honorable discharge, Medal of Honor for bravery in battle, San Diego Police Force, 1964, twice promoted, Detective First Class, 1966, dishonorable discharge, classified dockets available to authorized personnel only, demolition derby driver, then driver's license suspended, previous failure to submit to alcohol level tests, minor jobs, other driving jobs from 1970 to date. I think he's, like most people, try to do good things. He's not perfect. Clearly selfish by driving on our highways at high <laughs> speeds with no regard to societal like laws about like speed limits and why we have them. But I don't think he's a hero that, that Super Soul's feeding on this. Like This is the new person that we need to follow. I'm not trying to argue that he's not selfish. Yeah. I think some of his crazy driving is he's so good. He goes, I can't avoid all these people. No one's going to get hurt. I am that good. And, and he really is. I mean, I mean, the dude does some, he does some driving. Oh, the, the driving's amazing. Yeah. Just I, watch this movie just for the driving and the sound alone. You don't have to get into the existential part of it. Just, just to appreciate the stunt driving. The We get into Super Soul. There's like this weird connection between them again. Because that's what we have with between prophets and heroes and prophets and messiahs. And, and this one, I think it's a critique of our culture and where we put we will put all of our eggs in the basket of a man driving a car yeah. instead of in somebody who's really important, somebody who's trying to affect change. Yeah. I think that what a lot of this is doing is is critiquing that aspect, and I'm not going to go political. Yeah. Next is a really important scene because prophets who are trying to push a new god, a new hero, always have to face repercussions sometimes in the masses. That young police officer who had an issue with Super Soul kind of gets a couple men out of the crowd. Who now there's a lot more people around the station. A lot. More he people. shows up in town in a pickup. They're gonna shut this down. Yeah. He gets everybody riled up, and they come busting in. And John Amos gets up, the engineer, and he's a big dude. He's a big, intimidating-looking fella. Again, I would not be the first through the door. I'd be like, eh. As soon as I saw John Amos, I'd just quietly yeah. slide to the back of the crowd. <laughs> because he, he really is. Like, that is not a dude I'm tangling no, I mean, he was a, he was a good-looking man and a big He's man. A good it looked lo- like he was lifting weights at the top. He knew there was a mob. You have to point it out. It's a mob of white people. No coming to shut down a black man yep. and john amos is a black man he's one against a mob they beat him down they smash the window yep. out they shut super soul down it's just ugly on kowalski's car the music stops when you go back and look at mythology and you go back and look at religion all prophets at some point in time some of them had to pay the price it's of the never crowd. smooth sailing there's always huge bumps in the road and sadly a lot of it is on a racial line it's really unfortunate and then Kowalski's driving. 
The biker pulls up. Which I no, they, all right. They, this guy cracks me up. He's a biker. He, he just goes, "Hey, Kowalski." Yeah, exactly. Right next <laughs> He's on to the a car. chopper. Yeah. Pulls right up. And says, "Hey, Kowalski." He's like, "Ah, oh, you doing all you need anything?" And and Kowalski's like, "No, I'm good." And he goes, "Wait, do you have some speed?" Yeah. He's like, "Yeah, follow me back to my place." And Kowalski turns the car around. It's gonna follow him because. That's what he needs to survive. Yeah. <laughs> I think even Kowalski would admit the bet is off at this point. So they go back to the dude's place. It's a trailer in the middle yeah. of the flipping desert. It shows that this guy lives in just as a decrepit place as every other scene you see in the movie. He's going to give him speed, which once again, he turns down water and he dry swallows the speed. A woman who's completely nude on a bike shows up. She's just tooling around in, in the, the desert, desert completely <laughs> yeah. naked. That kind of classic Southern California blonde. She looks like his girlfriend. She looks like the young woman who he had saved from his partner. And they're listening to Super Soul. Kowalski immediately picks up something different. Super Soul is basically being forced to tell, say things into the radio. Kowalski picks it up. The biker dude doesn't really pick it up. He goes, yeah, it's Super Soul. He's like, I don't know, maybe he has a cold. And he calls the lady over. She walks over again. At no point does she ever cover herself. No. Not complaining, but <laughs> she picks up. Yep. So it's interesting that, that Kowalski and the woman pick up something's yep. up with Super Soul's voice because there is something going on there. The biker heads out. He's like, I'm going to check it out for you. He leaves, and that angelic woman, all nude, says, do you want to have fun with me? And he turns her down. He has turned down every woman in this movie because he doesn't exist anymore. He, he's vanished. He doesn't have these and, biological urges anymore. Like and, he's and Jason, done. you had better have none of those. Because, I mean, if, if you're a single dude and this young lady is saying, you want to have a good time? And then she says, you, you haven't changed at all, really. And she shows him a photo collage that she's made. And it's hard to figure out when I, she said, I pasted it up. When it first came out. So she's been following him for a while. And it's a picture when he was still a cop. When he got discharged. And he was like arrested or something happened. On the courthouse steps. because So she's a part of the counterculture. And they apparently they viewed him as one of our own. Because he was a cop who did a good thing. And we're not used to that kind of vibe. It's telling when she offers herself to him. And he says no, and she's like, is there anything you want? And he just says, you got to smoke. Second cigarette that he's had in the movie. And she gives him the pack. And again, I just go, I don't know if I'd smoke in the desert. (laughs) Breathing in that road dust for hours. Do you have a pound of oranges (laughs) and a bucket of water or something? When Kowalski gets passed to each state, they each get a little cockier. It's Nevada's problem. We'll take care of it, Utah. No worries. And then when it gets to California, they're like, hmm. You guys can't handle this guy? California will. And it's very interesting because when it's Nevada, it's this old man. When we get to California, though, things are very different. It's all female at the Highway Patrol. And the woman in charge says, we'll handle it. It is a completely different operation. It's more staff, high tech. As you went west from this old man hierarchy and police position to all women's staff. The men might do the heavy lifting and moving these bulldozers then, but she's coordinating everything now. Might look a little primitive today, but at the time, it's a map with lights that will light up on the roads. It shows Cisco with arrows pointing towards it. And I looked at the map because I don't think Cisco, California is a real place. 
Because right above that is Murphy's, California, and I've spent a lot of time in Murphy's. I have a good friend who lives up in Calaveras County, grew up in Angels, lives in Murphy's. I don't think Cisco's a real place. Really? <laughs> I've never heard of Cisco, California. Just assumed it was real. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like a place. It totally sounds like a place. Cisco, yeah, California. I look at map. I'm like, I've never been to that place. I don't even know where it is related to because you can clearly see Murphy's on maybe, the map. Maybe it's like Hobbs End. <laughs> You know, maybe we'll end up there someday. We'll be going to find a brewery and all of a sudden we'll end up in Cisco and we'll be like, oh dear, what what if we made a wrong turn? By the way, it's California, Saturday, 7, 12 p.m. And that biker has figured out a way for him to break one of these first row blocks, which is attached a small little mini bike and a siren. And so the cops from the vanishing point, from the distance, think, oh, that's another police officer. Get the cars off the road. And then he passes them. Shouldn't you have had a lookout? As they got closer, you can realize, like, that's just a bike sitting of a white Challenger. But the other thing, Jason, is why break your roadblock? If there's yeah. a cop coming, you just go, this guy's going to slow down and stop. You know, if there's a cop coming and just clear the road. I, I, no, I, I'd go, guys, just, just wait and see what this guy's deal is. So he calls Jake. This is a reaching out. He calls his drug dealer. And this is a moment where you feel like his drug dealer, this guy actually kind of cares about what's going on. He's like, hey, man, you're all over the papers and yeah. stuff. He's got a bunch of weed over the paper. A bunch of Coors cans in the yes, background. Yeah, exactly. And, and he's just like moving weed around. He goes, oh, yeah. And they also mentioned, here's the headline. Oh, there's also an article about Vera, his yeah. lady that died. And he's telling Kowalski, don't do anything stupid out there. Be careful. And Kowalski just basically says, hey, man, dull or nothing on the bet. Because at first, Jake is going, I knew you weren't going to make it. Which is like wildly insensitive yeah. because, because it's like, dude, you're in a real spot. You're, yeah. you're national news. Yeah. Like, and you just get this feeling that Jake has gone probably talking to you for the last time. The next scene is not in the theatrical release in the United States. It's the UK. It's the Charlotte Rampling. The first time I saw this movie, it did not have this scene. We watched it on the Internet Archive. Um, and when I watched it, it was one of those things I thought, I don't remember this. I don't remember Charlotte Rampling. He picks her up. She's this English lady. She's, she's got a hood. Right off, you know that she's a symbol of something. A hitchhiker in the middle of the road with a black hoodie on. She goes, what's your name? And he's like, and he goes, it's Kowalski. First, last, and only. She's like, I like you. I've been waiting for you a long time. And he's like, where? And she goes, everywhere. And since forever. Patiently. Almost heavy-handed, but it's this kind of beautiful little scene. Charlotte Rampling sells it like mad. She's rolling a joint. and She's like, do you mind? And he says, go ahead. She offers him the joint. And he smokes it for the first time. And you have the same music from the one flashback that was loving with his girlfriend Vera when he did not take the joint. It is worth pointing out there is such a difference between marijuana and speed. Yes. (laughs) No, There's no old speed addicts out there. (laughs) (laughs) Marijuana does, in, in a lot of cultures, has a transcendental property. And she's bringing him into that, bringing him closer. Basically, come toward the light. He wakes up in the morning and he's alone. I believe she's death. She's the angel of death. He has escaped her grasp through his entire life. And she's been waiting for him. I've been waiting for you a long time. And like we discussed before in previous episodes about this hitchhiker of death trying to remind you, hey, your life has already passed. Death here is more seductive because they kiss. They clearly have sex that night. Yeah. 
And in other movies, the Coen Brothers movie No Country from Old Man, based on Cormac McCarthy's novel, yeah. same title. Anton Chigura. Chigur. He, he was death. The unrelenting force that comes after you, that you're trying to run from. He was able to successfully run for death for a long time. So in this movie, she changed, like, I'm going to seduce him. I'm going to look like his girlfriend. I'll finally get, because he's been able to outrun me this relentless death all the other times. Death can come in many ways. Death can be many different things to you. It can be the violent, angry thing. Or it can seduce you and just say, now it's time to sleep. And I feel that's what this version of death is saying is, is Kowalski, come on, buddy. It's over. He's been riding in pain for a long time. Super goes back to work. It's the, Sunday morning. A holy day. He's playing gospel music. His window to the outside world is now blocked up just like his eyes. Everything's blocked off. Nobody can look in at Super. Super can't look out at anybody. But he starts, starts into, hey, Super, he's doing the big, big DJ thing. Just bringing it, bringing it hardcore. And he's saying the last American hero. Speed means freedom of the soul. And he's he's trying to convince Kowalski to listen to him. He tells the engineer, which is a new engineer now. John Amos is gone. Yeah. So I, I think bad things. I like, hope I hope he's okay. Yeah. Like maybe he's just in the hospital, yeah. like sleeping it off. But Super Soul says, cut it off, man. He's not, li- basically he's not listening. He knows Kowalski. He's going elsewhere. You get Kowalski just hauling butt. To me, there is just something great and freeing yeah. about watching that car just, <laughs> just plow down the freaking highway. And he is, he's smiling. He's like, he's good. And you just see on his face, there's this acceptance. You have the two, they're bulldozers. And there's about two fists worth of light right between them. And Kowalski, he sees sees it. it. It's a bright light. It's super bright. And Kowalski, you just see everything settle in his face. Barry Newman's amazing. And he just goes at about 100 miles per hour right into the bulldozers. It blows up. It doesn't go well. He doesn't get through. It's over. And there's a huge crowd. This whole crowd has been gathering to watch this spectacle because that's what we love is the spectacle. And then it just ends that way. The music stops. The rockin' music stops. Everything stops. And everybody just is kind of standing around. They look at each other. And then they just slowly kind of file away. Yeah, and then Kim Carnes' song, Nobody Knows, picks up. And... That song, if you listen to the lyrics, is about souls. It's a strange ending. By the way, the last thing. It's California, Sunday, 10.04 a.m. I look at that ending. So Super Soul is really projecting this idea that this open road, it's a sense of freedom. I do sometimes experience, when I take road trips, that road does call. It does seem like a sense of freedom. But usually it's just a break from not real it's just you're out in the open and you're driving and so you're focused all the other worries and stresses that come with life you can put those aside and there's a lot of beauty out there i just got done with one of those getting back it was great i was out for a hike or something it was like a day or two after that and i missed it even though it was like it was a grind you know you're you're driving you know i was driving a cargo van you missed it and i told jane I, i said i wish kind of found myself wishing we were back on the road. Sometimes when we're driving, if we're driving up this way, I'll go, 
this is a time when I wish we could just keep driving. There's something freeing, something nobody knows where I am. Like at that moment, nobody knows where I am. I'm free, going where I want. Part of it, it just it simplifies your life for a moment. You you basically you're focused on driving. You just have to get from point A to another point of your chosen. All your other worries could filter away. And I think that's what happened. That's why Kowalski chose to keep on driving. He was a person who didn't want to think about anything else. That's why he had to keep on moving the whole entire movie until he vanished. At the end, he vanished. That was it. That was his vanishing point. I don't know if he'll, you know, super soul building him up to be this mythic hero, if he'll live on to be a hero afterwards. I think in that world, I do. Again, it's almost it's a cynical, but it's sort of this critique of that world. Be careful who you idolize. Yeah. Not, not that Kowalski was a bad person, but he would have been the first to say, that's not me. That's not what I'm doing. I really was just, this was a bet. I take drugs. You know, and, and if he really got deep, he'd go, yeah, you know what? I broke. My life ended when she didn't come back out of the ocean. I just kept existing. To me, that that's heartbreaking to think he just kept scurrying back and forth. He just kept going. He said, I need to find my end. I'm not going to find my end if I dig down in the desert like that man said. I need to go out and seek it. And he finally found it in Charlotte Rampling. Pretty deep movie. It's, yeah. a, it's a super cool movie. It if, is. If you just want to watch it for watching some like a cool movie that has some great stunt driving, has really glad you liked it. Always fun to turn somebody on to a movie. You've done that for me. I've done that for you. Would you recommend this? I, I would absolutely recommend this movie. I mean, this is the type of movie that is perfect to watch with some friends and then sit down, drink a couple of beers and try to discuss, like, what's the meaning of this movie? I mean, it has so many layers. I mean, that's part of something that you could connect with with other people on film. To me, it's an interesting movie because you could show it in a film class. You could show it in a philosophy class. Absolutely. I love this movie. Again, the first time I watched it, I knew it was this, one of the 70s road movies. Oh, cool. This kick-ass car. Cool stunts. Great stunt driving. And then, like I said, afterwards, it just lingered. This movie gets to you. It does. It really gets to you. They're great characters. Barry Newman's amazing. Absolutely amazing acting. There's great stunt driving. The soundtrack is great. It's a cool car. I would love to drive that car from Denver to San Francisco. I would... 100% recommend anything from Reunion, Wake Brewing. This is the first thing I had, and I'm totally hooked. I got you. All gas, no brakes, triple IPA. This is excellent. This and beer's it, a good time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm feeling it. Yeah. I'm feeling it. <laughs> I can I, tell. <laughs> and it's, what's interesting is I think this is such a great movie, and I just have to point out, when it initially released... It was panned by the it, critics. It was beat. They yeah. beat. They the pulled hell. it after two weeks. They beat no the hell out of this movie. <laughs> and and it, so yeah, it grabbed this cult following. When you asked me why it's a B movie, I'm like, that's one of the reasons. Yeah. Since then, you have like Steven Soderbergh. He's yeah. a big fan of this movie. This movie was remade in the late '90s. Yeah, we're not gonna talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I never saw it. I never saw it. It doesn't exist in my world. It's a great movie. It's a fun movie. It's an interesting movie. It's one of the deeper movies I'll probably ever bring to this. I don't know if I can get much deeper than this. This movie's got a lot going on. I know. But Alien Dead. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> so, but but all gas, no brakes. Fantastic. The, the, the graphics on the can are way cool. Anytime the Midwest can represent, I'm down, and I would do my best. 
to represent Midwest beer. I think that kind of wraps this one up. Please like, subscribe, and comment wherever you listen. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And check out our website. This is Beer and Beer Movies. I'm Jason. And I'm Mike. First, last, and only.